good. It's our word for this morning. It's already popped up multiple times, and you will hear it again several more times before we're finished this morning. When you hear the word good, what do you think? How good is it? How good is good? How do you define it? When you say, I saw a good movie, was it the greatest movie ever made? Was it a pretty good movie or just an okay movie? When you say good pizza, was it superior pizza, above average pizza, just average pizza, or was it an out-of-body pizza experience? When you say, she's a good kid, or he's a good guy, how good is good? Perfect? Better than average? Just okay? Never actually been convicted of a felony? How good is good? It's a fairly relative term. Better than bad? Not quite as good as great. It's good. We need to define, and sometimes we even need to redefine what good is. In Mark chapter 10, in the 18th verse, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except my Father in heaven. Is that an okay gift? Better than most? Or is he perfect? James says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Is that a okay gift? A pretty good gift? A really good gift? Or a perfect gift? If you look through the Bible from one end to the other, the scriptures tell us over and over that our God is good. In fact, our God is so good that sometimes we get used to his goodness and we miss so much of it that is we just simply take it for granted and we don't really get to enumerate or experience his goodness as we ought. Much of God's goodness simply passes us by and we're unaware. Annie Dillard writes about growing up. She says that one of the things that she just loved to do was when she was six or seven, she would get a handful of pennies and she would put them by a tree she would put them in the crack in the sidewalk. She would put them by the curb of the street. And then she would draw a large arrow in chalk pointing to where that penny was and saying underneath it, surprise on the way, treasure ahead. And then a small child sees a penny. Their eyes get big. They'll stop. They'll pick it up. It's a treasure that they found. 
But you know, as we get older and become more mature and get far more sophisticated, we tend to walk on by pennies. After all, they're not worth all that much. Sometimes we don't even notice. Anyone seen any pennies laying around lately? See, some of you don't even notice. There are 150 pennies laying around in the worship center and in the narthex and in the library, just laying around. They're there to remind us of the little things in life, the good things. They're on the end of the pew. They're on the floor. They're on countertops. The blessings, small as they might seem, are everywhere. Do you see some? Will you pick some up? Will you point them out to somebody else who might really enjoy the experience and count it as a blessing? That's how you and I respond to God's goodness. Most of us, adults at least, need to learn, perhaps relearn, to cherish God's little goodnesses. We need to be reminded to look for, to embrace, and to celebrate the things that we take for granted, that we overlook, that we don't even see. Like the hand of a grandchild in your hand. The smile on a child's face. The baby who kept you up all night but allowed you to see that magnificent sunrise. The flickering of the fire in the fireplace. A few moments of silence just sitting next to your spouse. Time to read from your favorite book because the kids are asleep in bed. A flower that blossoms. The first robin. A free evening. A card that comes in the mail of encouragement. The Detroit Lions getting four wins in a row. That's probably not so much as a gift as it would be a miracle, but. (laughs) J.K. Chesterton was writing about gratitude when he said, here ends another day during which I had ears and eyes and hands and the great world around me. And tomorrow begins another day. (laughs) Why am I allowed to? For the next minute, I'd like to give you just an opportunity to pause in our busy lives, to count your blessings, to say thank you to God for his goodness, for who he is, for what he has done, for what he has given to you, for who he has made you and called you to be. An opportunity for just a minute to think about the gifts that God has brought into your life this year, this month, this week, maybe even yet this morning. So let's pause, as we often should, to count our blessings, to reflect on the scripture, and to say thank you.
I think almost every one of us here this morning would agree, at least intellectually, with the lyrics of that last song, Lord, you are good. There is a goodness about our God that just oozes out of his character, out of his identity, out of his intrinsic essence. God doesn't decide to be good one day and mean-spirited and ornery the next day. He is good all the time. You've heard the expression, God is good. All the time. God is good all the way through his intrinsic character. God acts with goodness. He rules the world with goodness. He blesses with goodness. And yet, some of us are far along in life. We've had enough life experiences to experience some of the bumps and the ruts in the road. We realize life doesn't always feel good. And there are times, if we're honest and we admit it, that we even question the goodness of our God. The sun seems to shine while we're hiking up into the mountains, while things are going well, if you will. But when we walk down into the valleys... We often feel engulfed by the shadows and the rain. 
It's always sunny somewhere, always sunny behind the clouds on the other side. And other people may be seeing that sun, but perhaps we're not. And so we place the all the time under review. We know from the scriptures and from the cross of Jesus Christ that ultimately God is good. But sometimes those daily circumstances of life just engulf us in the shadows and in the pain. For some, this Thanksgiving and the upcoming holiday season just seems to intensify that tension and that pain. We know we're supposed to be here celebrating today, but for some it just doesn't feel much like celebration Our everyday experiences seem more valley than mountaintop. We're struggling to hang on by faith and to the fact that our God is good. It's healthy to acknowledge that because some of us are in the sunshine and we could sing and praise and rejoice all day, but at the same time, there are those here among us who are experiencing deep pain and loss, and the year has been hard. Maybe that's you this year, and God doesn't seem all that good. And being thankful today seems to be a real stretch. Maybe you've experienced infertility, or a miscarriage, or a stillbirth. Maybe you received a bad medical report It's been a year of doctoring and treatments and your future lacks certainty. Perhaps your job was terminated or you were overlooked for that promotion again. Maybe your dream job went to somebody else. Perhaps there will be an empty chair at your table today. A father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a son or a daughter. We all knew this day was coming. It's here every year, but it doesn't make it any easier. And it's hard. We can't fix the shadows. I wish we could. If I could, I would fix them for you. We can pray that you'll feel God's presence, that you'll know his sustaining power, that you'll experience his abiding love as you walk through this valley and as you begin to catch even small glimpses of the light that await. We can be there for you and we can walk with you. So it also seems appropriate to me this morning that we should pause and pray for those who are struggling. People, even today, dodging Rockets and bullets and hiding in basement shelters without light and without heat. People recovering from the natural disasters that have been their floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and fires. People who are trying to avoid the terrorists in their schools and stores and neighborhoods. People who have been hit hard by inflation. People who have had to bury loved ones for Christians who are suffering persecution simply because they call on the name of Jesus, for those who are hurting, for those who are alone, 
So let us approach God. Please join me in this prayer in unison as we say it together. The words are on the screen. For those among us and around our world who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist said, we offer our prayers of support and empathy concerning compassion. For those who are expressing their first Thanksgiving after a painful divorce, have loss of a job, and are in need,
Thanksgiving Psalms celebrate our Lord's goodness. Listen, Psalm 106. Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The next Psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And at the end of that very same psalm, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God is good is the central, most fundamental confession of the entire scripture. Goodness refers to our God. It personifies him. It is intended to clarify and to name who our God is. Remember, in Mark 10, verse 18, Jesus responded to someone who called him good. And Jesus says, why are you calling me good? No one is good except God alone. Does that mean God is just okay? He's better than bad, but he's not really great. Or does it mean God is perfect? Jesus says, God is good, and only God is good. But how can you tell if God is good? On the one hand, it's a rhetorical question, but on the other hand, it has an answer. You can tell by looking at the evidence. You can tell by evidence in at least three basic areas. First, look at God's character. Scripture defines God and shows us his character over and over again. His love endures forever. His goodness and his mercy are there in his faithfulness and his righteousness, the scripture says. He's a gracious God. He's a compassionate God. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in his love. Second, look at his deeds. The psalmist in Psalm 136 gives us just a sample list. He says, he created the heavens and the waters and the earth. He sent the plagues into Egypt. He divided the Red Sea. He led Israel through the desert. He gave them a promised land as an inheritance. Or the 23rd Psalm. It's a more personal list. He protects us from harm. He meets our physical needs. He addresses our spiritual needs. He provides us comfort and encouragement when we need it the most. And he gently guides us. The ninth verse of the 52nd Psalm reads, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I hope, for your name is good. 
We look to his character, we look to his deeds, but we also look to his gifts. We experience God's goodness in the form of the good things that he gives into our life, an abundant harvest. So we have food in our pantry and food in our fridge and food on our table. There is prosperity. We have a shelter. We have heat. We have light. The blessing of children and family and neighbors and friends. Healing, spiritual, emotional, and often physical. And salvation, the promise of the ultimate feast, a perfect shelter and eternal healing. In the sixth verse of the 23rd Psalm, the psalmist says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's a fairly well-known passage. Again, one of those that we don't really understand and we really miss some of the impact of what it's all about. We sort of picture goodness in that context, that love, as, as sort of a, something that tags along behind us like a toddler behind their parents. Always at a distance, but behind. It's a bad picture. Goodness, according to the psalmist, is God following. That is, he is aggressively pursuing us. It's like a squad car in your review mirror. We're not going to escape God's goodness. We're not going to miss out on his love. It's not optional. He's going to chase us down because he wants to bless us. So this goodness from God demands a response from you and I. And the only response Appropriate response to God's goodness is gratitude. And the only way for us to express that gratitude is through obedience or literally through imitation of Jesus. That is, we need to be and do like God. We need to be and do good. So look at your character. Consider your love and your mercy and your graciousness and your compassion and your speed to anger. When your coworkers think of fairness and, and graciousness and caring and integrity, do they think of you? Do you interrupt someone when they're talking? Do you constantly complain? Do you always tell the truth? Do you consistently keep your promises? Do you remember to say thank you? Are you kind and patient? Are you a blessing? Are you good? Second, look at your deeds. Do you leave things better than you found them? Do you open the door for someone who's behind you? Do you do more than is expected of you? Do you walk the extra mile? Are you willing to sacrifice of your time and your talents and your treasures? Are you willing to give up your agenda for someone else's to submit to his will? Do you use your hands and your head and your heart for God? And then third, look at your gifts and your giving. The psalmist writes, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Would you give someone a compliment? A few moments of your time, perhaps a hug. Shovel their driveway, serve in a soup kitchen, tell your mother and and your mother-in-law that you love them. Donate to 
World Renew or Feeding America? Do you share your toys? Do you share Jesus? In the early 30s, long time ago, William Steiger was with a group of friends in a restaurant. They were talking about the depression that was sweeping the country, talking about how horrible it was, how people were suffering deeply, how many had lost everything, how people were committing suicide, the joblessness, the hunger. And the conversation became more and more discouraging and depressing. Suddenly, a minister who was in the group broke in and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but in, in three weeks, I have to preach on Thanksgiving Day. And I want to be able to say something positive, but what could I possibly say that's positive? And Steiger said, as the minister spoke, it was like the Holy Spirit came on me and he said, Give thanks for those people that have been a blessing in your life. As he thought about it, a former high school English literature teacher came to his mind. His love for literature had deeply affected his preaching. And Steiger, who was about 50 years of age at the time, sat down and wrote her. In a matter of days, he got a reply in a feeble scrawl of the aged. My dear Willie. No one had called him Willie in decades I can't tell you how much your note meant to me. I'm in my late 80s, living in a small room, cooking my own meals, and lonely. I'm like the last leaf of autumn lingering behind. And then listen to this. You'll be interested to note that I taught school for over 50 years. And yours is the first note of appreciation I have ever received. It came out of the blue on a cold morning. And it has cheered me as nothing has for many, many years. Steiger writes, I'm not sentimental. But I found myself weeping over that note. Then he thought of a former pastor who is now retired, whose wife had died recently and who was all alone. This was a pastor who had given him his time, offered advice, counseled, and encouraged Steiger over the years. Steiger wrote down and wrote to this elderly pastor, and in two days he got a reply back. My dear Will, your letter was so beautiful, so real, that as I sat reading it in my study, tears fell down my eyes, tears of gratitude. And before I realized what I was doing, I rose in my chair and called her name to share it with my wife, forgetting she was gone. You'll never know how much your little note warmed my spirit. I have been walking around in the glow of your letter all day. One of the best things that you and I can do to thank God for all he has done for us is to be a contagious and thankful people. Because you see, God is good. Let's pray together.
please stand. This morning, our good God just loves to stretch out his arms and to offer us his blessing. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face to you and may you experience his never-ending peace and goodness. And all God's people said, amen. amen.